You're listening to the Brandy Cowgirl Podcast, episode 112. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here with me today, as always. Um, today is a beautiful day. Um, it is just a cozy, kind of stress-free day for me, um, and I'm kind of loving that. Right now, my husband is out of town, and that's kind of exciting for me because <laughs> even though I miss him, I totally miss him. I love him. Um, but I just haven't had, like, the house to myself in a hot minute. Um, our son is still here, but it's just nice to kind of be able to not have to worry about making, like, dinner every night I can just eat if I want <laughs> like um or you know eat whenever I want I guess I should say um and not feel like I have to make some big grand meal um but anyway speaking of meals and food that brings me to today's guest for the show that I'm so excited to introduce you to it is my new friend, Bailey Cooper, who is a dietitian. She has her PhD. She's a West Texas, Tec- Texas, Texas native. Um, she is passionate about supporting rural communities with nutrition, education, and supporting the rural way of life through accurate science-based information. We had such an incredible conversation, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it, especially because if you've been keeping up with current events in the world today, We are talking about the controversial topic that has been flooding social media, and it is, is Lucky Charms actually better for you than beef? Um, I know you guys have probably seen this everywhere. It is a hot, hot topic right now, so I'm very, very excited to um, get this episode out to you guys as soon as possible so that uh, you guys can hear her hot take on it um, from a professional standpoint. So, I'm really excited. I won't waste any of your time um, other than that. So let's just dive on in. Hey, you're listening to the Branded Cowgirl podcast hosted by yours truly. My name is Sarah Elrod and I'm a serial entrepreneur through and through. But most importantly, I'm a wifey, a mama, and pretty much a crazy horse lady. I started this podcast based on an old saying my husband once told me, that every successful rancher has a wife that works in town. And being the stubborn, wannabe homesteading housewife that I am, I decided that why do I have to work in town in order to contribute? So I made it my mission to teach other rural women and entrepreneurs how to grow thriving brands online from way out yonder. Whether you live out in the middle of nowhere, have to take a dirt road to get there, or if you're just a mama who wants to stay home raising babies and cows someday, this is the place for you. On this show, we talk about marketing, social media, branding, content creation, Western lifestyle, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. So grab a coffee and your favorite notebook and let's saddle up and get to work. This is the Branded Cowgirl Podcast. Calling all photographers, do you struggle with coming up with content ideas throughout the year and knowing what to post every single day? Trust me, I get it, I've been there, and I have a solution. I've created a brand new resource just for you. It's an entire year's worth of content pre-planned out so you will not have to think about what to post for the entire year of 2023. Literally, I am not kidding. This resource is a calendar style resource that provides 12 months worth of content, what days to post, what days to take a break, prompts on what to post exactly, or just inspiration for ideas. It's the end all be all for your content for this year and I cannot wait for you to get your hands on this. Head to sarahelrod.com slash year of content 
or you can also go to the Sarah Elrod shop to find it as well. That's sarahelrod.com slash year of content or sarahelrod.com slash shop. Hello, Bailey. I'm so excited to have you on the show and to get to talk to you. I'm really interested in what you have to say about so many different topics. Um, I, especially with what's going on right now in the world, um, and I'm really stoked that we got to sit down right now because of what's happening and current events and everything. Um, So we'll get into that later. Um, But First off, like, do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, so anybody who's listening, if they don't know who you are, um, they can get to know you a little bit. Sure. Um, so I'm Dr. Bailey Cooper. I live in Lubbock, Texas, which is in West Texas, um, which we have a beautiful windy day today. I'm originally from San Angelo, which is about three hours south of here. Um, I have been a dietitian for about um, almost eight years and I got my PhD at, which I'm supporting them today. I didn't mean to, um, but I got my PhD from North Dakota State University in exercise science and nutrition. Um, Some of my background and a little bit about my business. um, So my dad has type one diabetes and really never had the support that he needed in um, our rural community, even though it wasn't small. there just wasn't enough medical support for him for his chronic condition. Um, and then I also was an athlete in high school and college. So kind of bringing those two together led me to my private practice after my PhD. It's called Rural Health Education. Um, so I kind of have two sides to it. Um, part of that is straightly, well, I always kind of blend in the medical, um, but blending in the medical side, I accept patients with insurance and slowly trying to reach out more into rural communities in Texas and other states working with South Dakota right now. Um, And then I also support rodeo athletes and athletes in rural communities who don't have access to a sports dietitian. Um, So those are things that I find, um, one, that's really necessary and needed, but two, um, such a huge benefit from when I was in high school and from what I've experienced from other parents and athletes um, across the nation. So. Mm. That's so awesome. I love that your story and and where you are today kind of stems from just your personal experience. I always think that's really powerful that like you chose a career based on, you know, your own personal experiences with your dad and things like that. And I think that just makes your why and your motivation a lot more strong. Um, so that's really cool. And then I also love that you take insurance. That was something I noticed um, when, when <laughs> stalking you for this interview. <laughs> um, I... I don't know a ton about the dietitian world, but I feel like that maybe isn't the most common thing ever. Um, My husband worked with a dietitian last year. He was like a friend of ours, but he was a dietitian and he worked with him a little bit. And I mean, it never really came up in conversation and it wasn't expensive enough to where we felt like we had to get insurance. But I just think it's cool that you offer it for anybody that um, may need that. And then also just the fact that you, you know, specifically are working with rodeo athletes, um, because I feel like a lot of people maybe not in not so much in the rural community, like they don't really think of rodeo maybe as like a sport or like in the same Mm -hmm. sense that they would think of football where you would need something like a dietitian or, um, you know, they don't consider those people athletes. So I think that's an important, um, conversation that you're bringing to the table. So I really, really love that. Um, so I know you said you grew up doing sports and things like that. Was nutrition always a part of that for you? Was that something you were always interested in or did that just come over time? 
So it was, um, it kind of twofold. So it definitely developed over time. Um, I think because having a father with type one diabetes and not, you know, in the nineties and early two thousands, there's still so much not known about type one diabetes and how it was diagnosed, how, when, you know, how it came about. Um, so my mom essentially was pretty strict on a lot of like the foods and things we ate. Um, and then, you know, being an athlete, I was a runner and a swimmer. Um, and so both of those combined, I definitely noticed some impact, but it was difficult because I really had no one to be like, here's the guidelines, here's the best thing, you know, this will help you, you know, gain muscle, have more endurance, things like that. Um, especially when I got into college, still didn't really have that. Um, cause I went to a smaller university now they're huge, but when I was there, it was smaller. Um, so it's definitely, definitely developed over time. Um, but now, you know, the more that I'm in it and more developed, um, I actually had no plans of being a dietitian. I always share that with my story. Um, I actually wanted to be a strength coach cause my mom was a coach. I loved, the coaching aspect, I wanted to work with like multiple athletes, which is funny because that's what I do with nutrition now. Um, I thought dietitians were skinny and mean, which a lot of them are. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. And so I met a couple sports dietitians when I graduated undergrad and really just fell in love with that aspect of I've had so many jobs in nutrition. I've worked in school districts. I've worked in research worked with athletes. So I think it's just allowed me to be more dynamic and be creative where mm. instead of like following just one route with strength coaching. So it's been mm. fun. So did you grow up, like what made you want to kind of specifically focus on like rural areas and athletes and things like that? Is that a way that you grew up? And so you just naturally fell into that or, or what's kind of your story there? Um, so my, a little bit of twofold there, I guess, too, San Angelo is an oil, cotton farming, um, goat ranching, sheep ranching community, um, has kind of a lot. So part of it, and it's not a small town, it's a hundred thousand. Um, but I think just being in that rural community, my granddad has raised Angus beef for a really long time, um, towards back closer to the Mexico border in South Texas. Um, but I think part of that growing into it. And then I lived in California for a while, which is, I honestly like always kind of stayed more in the rural. I'd go to the mountains, which is like middle of nowhere, California. Um, and then going and living in North Dakota for a while, being around farmers and the farming community, it just kind of like slowly developed. Um, and which we're going to talk a little bit about today, a lot of the ag advocacy side of rural education and just the rural communities because um, small, you know, 19% of the population, but feeding a whole nation. So it's like those aspects. Um, and now I get to bring in a lot of that research side. So it's been really fun, but it's definitely slow. I, I'd say it's slowly developed all the time, all the time, but it's definitely always been there. So yeah, no, it's, it's such a interesting thing. Cause I mean, I grew up, I actually grew up in California, so I'd be interested to hear like what part of California you lived in for a while. Um, Cause we're kind of like where we're at in Reno is like pretty close to the mountains in California. And that's kind of where my family still lives over there. Um, that like Northern California, it's so different. Everybody thinks California, they think LA right. and beach and all the things. I'm like, it's not all like that. There's so much no. like open rural space there. Uh, <laughs> 
But I I think it's so important to learn about where your food comes from. And it was honestly something that I never really focused a ton on until I met my husband, actually, because I mean, I grew up a horse girl and mm-hmm. that was, you know, my thing. But meeting him and he was like pretty heavily involved in cattle ranching and just that whole side of things. And that really opened my eyes to just where your food comes from and like actually caring about who is putting food on your plate and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really such important things to discuss. Cause I feel like so many people don't understand, um, and people that aren't pro <laughs> agriculture, they don't yes. understand all of what really goes into that and where their food comes from. So I think it's such an sure. important conversation, um, to have. So, um, Obviously, you have so many things I'm sure you could talk about, but is there anything that you feel like right off the bat is one of the biggest misconceptions? Um, And I know this is kind of an open-ended question, but um, like a big misconception when it comes to nutrition and kind of take that wherever you feel. (laughs) Gosh, where to start? Um, I think probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that nutrition has to be this very restrictive. I need to change everything about my life. I can't enjoy food. I can't enjoy quality time. I can't have a quality life. Right. Um, so that is definitely a concern that I have with clients and athletes is what can we do where you enjoy food and you meet your goals, guidelines, whatever they are, where whether it's weight loss or controlling your chronic disease or being a better athlete, you know, performing at a higher level, um, but still have the aspect of enjoying food and having a really good relationship, I think is a really big concern of mine. Um, Lots of, and it's a lot of fueled by the media, right? Um, Is Mm -hmm. you have to be this, this, and this to have a six pack and look super cute and, you know, all of those things, um, which definitely takes a mental toll. So I'll, you know, trying to work with the nutrition side, but nutrition is so, and it will always be. And I've taught a lot of students this and other colleagues is that nutrition is so personal, you know, like a physical therapist, it's like, let's just move and walk today. Right. Those are our goals. Well, you sit down with a dietitian and it's like, um, you know, I see that you're really struggling. You don't, you always tell me you don't want to eat desserts. Walk me through that. And it's like, well, it's going to make me fat. And it's like, is it, (laughs) you know? Um, so definitely a little more on the personal side, but I think it's created into this giant mountain and really it's like flat as where I live. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, this is breakfast. This is fuel for your body. This is how your body works. So I think just bringing it back down to the basics is something I try to do, but a lot of other dietitians continually try to do. So that's one of the most difficult things I think is working through the false information and those um, just lies essentially. Yeah. I mean, there's so many out there. I mean, one that I feel like can be really popular and I didn't even really realize it either was until my husband started working with our, our friend dietitian was like eating less food doesn't make you lose weight, you know? And I feel like that's what everybody thinks like, Oh, I'll just eat less and then I'll lose weight. Mm -hmm. But you know, when he started working with him, you know, he's like, you're actually not eating enough. Like you should be eating more of these things or whatever. And so, um, that was kind of eye opening for me is just, and I feel like a lot of people, you know, probably struggle with that. Like I'll just eat less food and it'll be fine. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's super important, um, to know. And, and I, I think, there are so many things like that where people just 
I don't know. There's such a negative thing when it comes to food, like you said, like dessert and, and you almost like food shame yourselves and it doesn't have to be like that. And I, I love that you approach it from wanting people to love food again and actually enjoy what you're eating. And it doesn't have to be this strict, scary thing to (laughs) take better care of yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's really cool. I know one of the things that you have focused on, on your Instagram and different platforms is, um, I've seen a few different posts about mothers specifically Mm -hmm. and pregnancy and breastfeeding. And I really took that to heart being a new mom and somebody that wants more kids in the future and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. Um, so is there anything like specific you could say for moms and people that are, you know, wanting to become moms, um, in pregnancy and postpartum and all that, that's kind of some good tips. Yes. Um, also where to start. I'm kidding. So, um, (laughs) it's the part of the reason that I, um, I'm pregnant now and I know a lot of other moms in the rural communities definitely don't have that support because they're, you know, even me, I'm 20, 30 minutes away. If I wanted to meet with a lactation consultant and I'm not even what I was going to consider like far away from a bigger community, Um, and there's a lot of moms that definitely need that support. And so actually myself and another dietitian, um, are available to me and my other dietitian is incredible. Her name's Erica Martinez. She, um, is fluent in both English and Spanish and she was a breastfeeding mother and went through all the things that that entails, which I know you understand. So, um, some of the aspects that we always start with when we're, excuse me, my nose, (laughs) um, (laughs) what we start with is making sure, um, one eating enough food, which I'm glad you touched base on because a lot of moms who are trying to become pregnant or are new in their pregnancy, um, get nervous about the weight gain, which I have been through it. It is not ideal, right? It's not fun. Um, but you're also growing this beautiful little infant inside of you, right? Yeah. So making sure you're eating enough. Um, and then we focus on a lot of different vitamins and minerals, but the three main that we focus on is folate, which that's why you start taking a prenatal. Um, but folate is also in a lot of foods. Um, it is in greens and actually beef and other animal proteins, which is really nice. Um, but a lot of moms actually don't eat enough animal protein. So that's something we definitely discuss. Um, along with that is iron, um, which we'll talk about more today because we're going to be discussing beef. Um, but iron helps create red blood cells in our body and that helps carry oxygen. So our baby actually needs tons of iron to develop and grow. Um, and we're essentially, you know, making double of those red blood cells. And so it definitely takes a lot of toll on our body. Um, and some others will need an iron supplement. That's just kind of what happens regardless of how much they're eating. Sometimes our body just can't get enough in, um, but prenatal covers us and then also different types of foods. Um, and then vitamin C actually is one of my favorites to talk about because vitamin C is, Obviously, it's known as like immune function, but it actually helps absorb iron in the body. And it's in all red, orange, and yellow fruits and vegetables. So it's in more than just oranges, even though the orange farmers definitely did a good marketing job on that. Um, (laughs) Then the, The last one is, it's kind of interesting, but I think it's fun to talk about too, is calcium and vitamin D. Um, so that's why they actually put vitamin D in milk so that we can help absorb calcium and create a lot of that bone, which we're doing with baby in the second trimester. Um, but calcium is actually a competitor of iron. And so they essentially are little boxers in our body. So you try to make sure that you balance out iron and balance out calcium 
Um, and then postnatal is a little different because we're breastfeeding and making sure baby is essentially life sustaining from our body for at least the first six months. Um, biggest things I always recommend with moms, especially after that postnatal concern of anxiety and weight gain. And I haven't experienced that yet, but I'm sure I will of, oh my gosh, I have so much weight on my body. Um, so you actually use 500 calories a day from breastfeeding baby. So it's so much on our body. So making sure you're actually getting enough and not trying to lose weight really fast is really critical. Um, and then, you know, taking a postnatal vitamin and then, uh, you know, pretty much same thing we're doing when we're, we're pregnant, but more of that nutrition side of hydration and making sure we're eating enough calories. And it can be a lot of those good things, um, you know, healthy fats, you know, we'll talk about different fats today too, but healthy mm -hmm. fats, eating every three to four hours, um, all of those things. So definitely could talk about that for a while, but that's a quick, quick. <laughs> no, I, I think that's so important. And, and you're right in the sense of like, so many of us live, I mean, I'm a similar situation to you. I'm not super like I obviously live on the outside of Reno, so it's not a small town, um, but I live in a rural area where the hospital or my doctor's 30, 45 minutes away. So, you know, getting to and from appointments isn't necessarily it's not like it's impossible, but it's not the most convenient thing in the whole wide world. Um, mm -hmm. So I think having that resource of someone like you where you can jump on a phone call or, you know, whatever that might look like um, to to ask these questions, um, especially for first time moms, like there were so many things I just didn't know. And it's so overwhelming the amount of information that you get. Um, you know, your doctor's telling you one thing and you have 20 friends that are telling you something completely different yes. and the internet's <laughs> telling you something else. And I just, I remember feeling so stuck so many times of like, what do I do? Like, yes. There's so much information out there. So, um, I think that's, you do a really good job at kind of covering all the bases and, and, um, yeah, just things that I feel like the average person wouldn't know, like the calcium and iron, like boxing. I mean, that's a great analogy. They're boxing inside your body. I would have never known that. Um, <laughs> I was actually vitamin, I was a little, I guess, low on vitamin D during my pregnancy. So they had me do like a supplement for that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many things and and trying to figure out like what you can and can't eat as a pregnant person too. Cause mm -hmm. there's, I feel like every year there's like a new list of things that they're like, oh, this isn't safe. And this is safe. Yes. Um, like fish, um, you know, it, it's like, you kind of think like, I, I don't know. I always thought you couldn't eat any fish, but then it turns out like you can eat salmon and you can eat like certain types of fish, you know? So right. I just think things like that, it's so important to to do your research and, and learn about what kind of food is actually benefit, you know, benefits you as a pregnant person. Um, right. On that subject, it I, I feel like I've heard like mixed things like kind of on the seafood thing, but whether or not red meat is good for you. Now, I feel like you kind of already answered that, but um, do you want to maybe go into more detail? Like as a pregnant woman, is beef good for you? And even, even not pregnant people, but just in general, is beef like something that is beneficial to your body? Mm -hmm. So great question. Um, and I guess I didn't touch on this earlier. So my research with North Dakota state, I was on a research team um, and we actually looked at animal-based protein, which included red meat, um, and muscle quality, muscle strength. And we actually looked at some blood markers. We call it like metabolic markers, but it's looking at like waist measurement, your blood glucose. So like diabetes and then your cholesterol panel, um, which is heart rest disease. Um, so we actually didn't find 
any adverse risk for women. This was part of the study we looked at for middle-aged women and young women um, about age like 18 to 25 and then 40 to 60. Um, and there was no metabolic risk with um, increasing their animal beef, animal protein consumption, which included beef. We didn't obviously restrict just to beef, but North Dakota, women eat beef, men eat beef, you know, so obviously it's going to be high, higher than most, you know, for sure higher than a lot of states where maybe it's not available or expensive. Um, so no, restricting beef, especially if, if you're a woman is, I would not recommend it. Um, animal protein, including beef actually has, we call it heme iron. So there's two types of iron, um, that we get from our outside food sources. So there's non-heme iron, which is in our plant foods. So leafy greens, um, I think like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, you know, spinach, everything beautiful, green and leafy. Um, however, because of the fibers, we don't have multiple stomachs like a cow. And so we can't break down that fiber and absorb iron the same. Um, where with animals, all of those vitamins and minerals are already compact in there and that heme iron is easily absorbed. So we call it bioavailability, but the percentage that we're absorbing is actually higher in iron um especially with women um you know during our pregnancy years if we do decide to have a baby that's a high risk but even into aging we're always going to be a high risk for iron because we always have a menstrual cycle um, mm -hmm. and even those who don't you know that's uh, iron's always going to be a concern so that's one thing um the other thing is getting that animal-based protein it actually has what's called leucine and leucine is actually better for our muscles um and the more muscle we have the longer we live especially going into oh you know elderly adulthood 60 plus um that actually helps our heart the longer we have muscle and we're long able to be independent a lot more longer um so no, as dietitians, do we recommend having it like every single meal? No, <laughs> um, but I definitely think, you know, trying to find a balance with all animal protein and plant protein, finding a balance with all those, um, but not restricting either one and not having this, um, you know, where it's going to cause all of these diseases because they haven't really researched healthy people who consume red beef, which we are trying to do in North Dakota. And they're still trying to do another of these like um, more rural states. I'm sure like Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, they're doing a really great job with beef ranchers getting funding for that and making sure that the correct information is out mm -hmm. um, and that the research is done correctly, which we're going to talk a little bit about today with more research that's out that's false. Um, so with that said, um, I think, the more we dive into looking at healthy people and understanding red beef, um, a lot of the reason that there is such a hard issue with red beef is because um, a lot of the people who have heart disease and have diabetes risk and stroke risk are actually consuming processed red beef and processed foods rather than just, you know, people that are ranging and they're consuming a balanced meal. So, Hopefully it will get better, um, but the research out there, you know, isn't the best. I was actually talking to some med students at South Dakota State about this and not South Dakota State, sorry, South Dakota. Um, and, you know, making sure when we're looking at what's out there in the media and even research, reviewing it correctly, understanding what it means, um, understanding their methodology behind it. So, um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I, I believe it is it's kind of on the flip side of that. Um, obviously, there's this big controversy um, right now happening in the world with uh, this new food pyramid that has come out. Um, and I mean, I have a few different questions, but 
what's kind of, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. It's kind of been all over lately, especially within agriculture, but um, it came out that Lucky Charms are healthier than steak or beef or whatever it was. Um, I just would love to hear your take on this. (laughs) (laughs) So I laugh because it's, Honestly, I was looking up because uh, I am familiar with it, but I was trying to get to like the actual source of where it came from, which is it it's it came from Tufts, um, big research institution. And honestly, I was looking at this. and I was like, let's figure out something that will make ranchers in rural America mad like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> like, that's exactly what they did. But, you know, I don't think that's the only thing they were thinking of. But I do think it was really funny. Um So this was my first thought besides like getting into how they actually researched foods. Okay. Um, Which I'm so glad we talked about methodology a little bit. So we never view this food as better than the other food Mm -hmm. Um, because every food has a place in a diet. Now, another dietitian may argue, but on my stance in the research I've done in almost a decade of work of just being a dietitian, not including the unnecessary amount of education I had to go through. Um, (laughs) We, we never view a single food as good or bad because there's nutrient dense foods and less nutrient dense foods. Um, Kind of like the donut and the apple comparison. So an apple is going to have more fiber, more vitamins. Um, A donut is fried. We know that it's not the best for us, but could be the same calories, right? Same energy. Um, So we don't, I never sit, you know, throughout my day and I'm like, let's compare all of these foods, Mm -hmm. um, of what's good and bad. We don't do that one in the real world anyway. Um, two, I honestly have no idea where they're getting their information that Lucky Charms is like a better food than beef. Um, especially, I, I honestly don't even necessarily know where to start because I, you put milk in Lucky Charms, right? Like not many people, not many people are eating it dry. Um, And so it's like, yeah, Lucky Charms is a cereal. It's carbohydrate. It, they've gotten better. It doesn't have, as far as I know, I don't have Lucky Charms in my house. It doesn't have added sugar. It did for a while. It doesn't anymore. I hope, I hope. No, I'm like worried. (laughs) It's like added sugar, which, you know, is a other, that's like another podcast. Um, But when we're, when we're looking at like the actual beef compared to Lucky Charms, kind of like what we just talked about, you know, we're having higher iron that we can bioabsorb. Well, Lucky Charms does have the same thing, but meat, beef, only has protein and fat. It does not mm-hmm. have any carbohydrates. Um, so like I said, I really don't, I'm confused. One, we haven't done the food pyramid in a very long time. Um, the food pyramid does not make sense. Like this doesn't make sense to the general population. And it's funny, I even saw some um, PhDs talking about it in an article. And it was like, well, people get so confused when you tell them just to not drink soda and this and that. I'm like, we're not telling people just to cut out all soda. Like you want to have a soda every once in a while. Yeah. It's, it's not the best, but it's going to give you the same amount of carbohydrates as a baby orange. It is right. Um, Obviously please don't drink it all day long and, you know, be high on caffeine. Like that's not our goal. Um, But do I think the general population is confused about nutrition? Yes. 
Do I think the general population doesn't have access to a dietitian? Also, yes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we went on the street and pulled how many of you have met with a dietitian and understand your body, they'd be like, you know, I don't know what that poll would be, but I've met with a lot of people. It's not, I'm not going to like blame it on the general pop and I'm not going to blame it on dietitians. There's just not enough of us out there, yeah. um, which is part of the reason I created this private practice. Um, so it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me logically, um, even when, you know, so let's dive into like some of the methodology they used. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that they use the nutritional guidelines. Well, the nutritional guidelines does not put just carbohydrate foods and just protein foods they're separate, they're separate categories, right? And so it's like, we don't really compare them regardless. Um, so yeah, I think it was just really to make everyone mad. Um, luckily, I think it maybe like brought up some good things to talk about. You know, it's like anytime there's something bad in the media, it's like, let's talk about those controversial things. Always mm-hmm. good. Um, but I think, you know, moving forward, especially that it's, you know, it's government funding and it's this and that. I mean, that's, it's just a whole, it's just a whole ball of mess, um, which rural communities, we don't really trust the government anyway. Yeah. It's COVID. <laughs> right. Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, even a lot of rural communities don't trust the medical field. Right. And so it's like, they're just creating this bigger barrier where we should be constantly trying to bring that barrier back together Mm -hmm. um so yeah maybe we need to send some emails to Tufts because I'm not super impressed yeah oh my gosh that's that's such a good point well and I'm glad you were able to find the like actual source where it came from because I mean I didn't dig in for super long but even just my quick google search it was like I had a hard time trying to find where it actually came from too because it's like so many people are just writing other articles about it um, so I'm like, everybody's like, angry. Yeah, everybody's like angry typing their <laughs> posts out. Um, but yeah, I'm like, where is this even coming from? And I just kind of had that same thought, like one, obviously first initial reactions, just eye roll, like there's no way. But the more I started thinking about it, I'm like, they're such different foods. Like I just don't, and granted, I don't know what I'm talking about, but like, they're just, it's cereal versus steak. Like to me, how do you even draw that comparison? Like it's so different. Um, so it's just, yeah, that's so wild, but I think you're right in the sense of they were just looking for clickbait and trying to get a reaction. Cause they knew if they put it, if they phrase it a certain way, it's going to blow up and the whole world is talking about it. And here we are like right. <laughs> talking about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I think you're also right in the sense of it's driving a huge wedge between rural community and like trusting the government and trusting the the healthcare, you know, organizations and things like that. Like, it's so crazy to me that, you know, like you said, everything with COVID and, and this and just so many other things, like there are so many people in these rural communities that are like, nope, I want nothing to do with it. Like, we're just gonna do our own thing. So even more so of a reason why I think what you're doing is so important um, because you're obviously a a source for those people that they can trust and you get them, you know, you live the similar lifestyle. So I think that's really important. Um, yeah, I just, I don't even know. I couldn't believe that that actually came out and the timing of it was so good when <laughs> we were scheduling this interview. I'm like, yes, I know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> 
<laughs> cereal. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. So kind of just, okay. Backtracking a little bit, like we were talking about, you know, beef being good for you or not. Obviously on the opposite end of that, you have the people that are super pro beef. And then you have people like vegans who are like super anti-beef and you know, all of that. And I've always wondered, cause I mean, I, I kind of am just Switzerland somewhere in the middle. Obviously I eat beef, but like, I don't know the ins and outs of this stuff. So like, is, you know, we talked about is beef good for you, but what about an all plant-based diet, like being a vegan? Like, is that something that's sustainable for you? Is that something that you would advise against? Like what's kind of your thoughts in that area? Um, yes. So I definitely, I haven't worked specifically with clients that honestly, I like, would it be like, please don't call me if you're trying to to follow a vegan diet because I view everything on trying to balance plant plant and animal protein and plant and animal fats, right? Because there's two different fats too, which that's part of the reason animals get a bad rap is there's saturated fat. Um, but the good thing with saturated fat and, you know, let's take ground beef, for example, when we ground beef um, and we're buying, let's say like I cooked 93% ground beef fat the other day, um, a lot of that beef comes out, a lot of that fat comes out when we cook. Um, and then we can even like drain some of that fat. Right. And so there's definitely a lot of ways that we can minimize high amount of saturated fat and there's room for it. Right. Like I'm, um, I'm going to cook a dish tonight that had high saturated fat, but I mean, sure. Like earlier in the day, I wasn't consuming high, high amounts of saturated fat or high amounts of other fats to balance it out. Um, so with that said, the biggest concern I have with any vegan diet is making sure, um, B12 is the only vitamin that we cannot get from both plants and animals. Um, now really difficult to get other B vitamins and iron from plant sources alone. Um, there's always going to be that risk. So you have to go into it if that's the only thing you want to do. And a lot of it seems more kind of on that personal side, um, there's definitely researchers and even MDs out there who are big, big pushers for a vegan diet. Um, I'm more of a muscle researcher. And so, you know, blending in the exercise and nutrition, and that is a huge concern to me. The amount of protein they have to intake from plant sources is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, where carbohydrates, not so much. You can eat beans, which have carbohydrates and protein. So, um, it's, it's a hard thing to do. You have to be very committed to really meet your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but B12, you have to supplement with, and then, you know, making sure you are getting enough protein and building that muscle mass is a difficult thing. Um, not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to be so, so committed, um, to meeting your nutrient needs, which I think is, it's tough. Um, cause I have clients who are trying to meet their nutrient needs and they have no restrictions, right. We're trying to balance everything out and it's still hard. Um, not saying it's, uh, you can't do it, but, um, it's, will definitely be more of a challenge. Um, and I have seen some vegans that more, you know, a lot of them, cause I used to be a runner are endurance athletes. Well, they need so high amount of carbs, um, still need a lot of protein too. So that's definitely a concern I always have is getting enough protein. But, um, I think you have to be very, you know, it's like, it's a full-time job. I mean, planning yeah. out everything you're going to eat and not just 
being lackadaisical and saying, I'm just going to have rice and beans all the time. Um, <laughs> right. That's, that's the cheap that's way not, to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. Right. Right. Um, so I think it's tough. B12. Um, so B12 is a vitamin that helps us with blood, red blood cells, but it actually has some like nerve brain function. Um, there's a couple case studies out there of some, there's a couple, um, case studies where they had like really, really low B12 and had kind of some like seizure issues and it's because of B12. So B12 is, we don't need a lot, um, but we have to have it every single day. So it's, um, but you can take injections if you really want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's, I mean, that's, it's true. Like I, I just feel like in, in ag, that's such a big thing. You know, you, you, it's hard to almost find somebody these days that like is somewhere walking that middle road where it's like so many people are like anti-beef or just so pro-beef that it's like there's no happy medium, at least in my world. I feel like that's all I see. Maybe just because I'm in ag industry, yeah. it's like you just see what <laughs> the algorithm pushes towards you, you know, but it's so one way or the other. Um, so it's it's good to know that like you should have a balance of both. <laughs> it's yes. important. Yes. Um, don't just be having steak, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and don't be having salad, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so yeah, that's that's important. So for people that are listening, kind of obviously as a general takeaway, if people obviously if people really want to get specific with things, then talk to a dietitian. But just as like a general rule of thumb for people that live rurally, um, maybe don't have a bunch of resources to go to, um, or, you know, kind of on both ends, either the ones that are just having their more day-to-day lives, cattle ranching, whatever that might be. And the athletes, the ones that are doing rodeo and things like that. Do you have any kind of general, um, tips and just takeaways for people in that, in rural areas that you can give for nutrition and things like that? Um, yes. In my like five, I'm like, how much time do I have? I know. (laughs) I'm like, let me just tell me your whole life story. (laughs) Give me me everything. Give give you more. Um, man. So I would say for the rural communities, one concern I have, and it's really, it's not a rural community's fault. Um, always, always, always food first. Right. Um, there's definitely, a lot of like the health coaching, supplement selling. I get that. Um, I'm going to always educate food first because food was designed to break down our body and provide everything we need. There are times like we were talking about pregnancy that we need supplements. Um, but using dietitians and other medical professionals to do I actually need this supplement, making sure I'm getting everything from food first if I consumed food all day long, what I have enough, um, is a concern, right? So making sure we're getting food first and not starting the supplement trend of extreme weight loss and all of those things. Um, obviously not hating on people who do that. Um, I just recommend food first always, and it helps our farmers and our ranchers, right? Always like that's what we're wanting to support long-term forever until we're not on the earth anymore. Um, The other thing that I always um, really approach rodeo athletes in rural communities with is rodeo athletes in rural communities, um, which I love being in and will continue to love being in and um, married to a veterinarian who grew up in a rural community and all this family grew up like this is the longevity of a career, um, whether it be as a rodeo athlete or a farmer and rancher. And so 
making sure we're getting enough nutrition to prevent injuries and to come back from injuries, right? Um, Because any type of labor injury or rodeo athlete injury can really take a toll on career and financials and everything involved. Um, So I have a couple posts about different um, specific ways to prevent and improve our injuries and improve the recovery time. Um, So those definitely, you know, can definitely obviously follow my Instagram, but finding ways to prevent with food for um, injuries and prevent injuries and recover is something that I always try to educate on because that's, you know, outside of our chronic conditions, which, you know, we could talk about all day long, those injuries are going to be a lot higher in our rural communities than a lot of our metro areas because they're not laboring, right? They're not lifting Mm. anything heavy. They're not putting themselves on a horse or a bull. You know, they're not working around cattle or heavy machinery. So that's kind of one of those that's like high up there on my my discuss chart um, with any, you know, professionals that are working with those in the rural communities too, just making sure they're having those conversations with their clients and with their patients too. Mm. I love what you said at the beginning, like food first. That's such a good thing to go based on and that whole like supplement. Um, <laughs> this would be a whole different podcast episode, but I have my thoughts with like the MLMs that sell all the different, like lose weight fast. They like, Oh, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but it is. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, and there's so much out there that I feel like is is easy for people to grab onto. You know, it's they they see the the headline of, oh, lose 50 pounds in a week. And it's like, oh, sure. Like, that's what I want. I don't want to, you know, take the, and it's obviously all just craziness. But um, people believe that stuff. And it's it's hard to understand that that's one, probably not great for you. And two, <laughs> just not not true. Um, right. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good good thing that you're bringing to the front. Um, before we close and people kind of get to figure out where to come find you and things on the internet, I have my closing question that I would like to ask you. Um, this is just my fun question that I'm trying to start doing. Um, (laughs) so I would like to know what is the last thing that you Googled? (laughs) Oh, it was the, it was the Tufts. It was the, (laughs) that's so funny. (laughs) Yep. That was the last thing because the whole time I'm like, I've seen this so much, but you know, little researcher me is like, where's the link? Like, where's the original? Find it. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not super needed message toughs. I have done that before. It's kind of ridiculous. Like I'm the one. So I'm like, if I don't advocate who's going to, like, that's kind of my mindset, you know, it's like, I don't have those hard conversations. Nobody's going to. Um, So I have emailed some universities like, Hey, pretty concerns. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I mean, that's true. And I feel like more people need to be like that. I mean, there's just, especially with the agriculture community. I mean, we are, I feel like it's the silent majority. You know, there's so many of us that feel a certain way, but we're not, we're not as big of activists as some people are on the other side. Like we, we have our beliefs and we're so strong in what we're doing and we are focused just on our own lives. But like, we, I feel like we could do better at being willing to like put ourselves out there and really, really advocate for things that we believe in. So that's yeah. a good, good thing to end on. Um, so Depends where can people what farming and ranching season it is too. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, <laughs> that's true. what we think about. Yeah. Like, cause they're, they're out there farming right now. They don't have time. Yeah, Luckily, they're busy. <laughs> I will say too, 
Um, the more I'm around the social media world, ranch wives and farming wives, and like these are women out here in ag, like we're doing a great job, right? Yes. <laughs> Men might not have time. We're going to find the time. So. That's a good point. I mean, it's, I feel like there was such a big debate too on like where ranch wives, like what their role is, you know, in the, in the, the business, whatever word I'm trying to say. Um, and I feel like social media has really opened up this new avenue for the ranch wives and the women, you know, besides just being the moms and, and being the ones that are just taking care and cooking the meals and taking care of the kids. Like right. now they are, the husbands are out there doing it, but the, the wives are advocating for it. They are pushing the information yes. that, like you said, husbands might not have the time to do it because they're actually out there doing the things. But now you have the wives that are like talking about what's happening. And and for it's sure. a beautiful space that the, the internet has become right now because of that. I mean, there are so many ranch wives on social media that are growing huge followings. And I feel like just really creating such an awesome space that wasn't there even a year ago. So it's, sure. it's really become something so, so awesome. Um, okay, Bailey. Well, where can people find you work with you? All the things. Um, so social media, my Facebook and my Instagram are the same. It's rule.health.education. Um, and my website is rural health education, www.rollhealtheducation.com. Um, all one word, um, it's probably the easiest. And then, yeah, both. Um, and I, I try to do, been trying to do a better job with social media. Speaking of social media, I'm like, it is a full, you know, it's a part-time job, but, For sure. um, we need, we need to be out there advocating and educating and all of that. So yeah, both of those people can message me or I have an appointment link of, um, how to book an appointment if they want to as well. So, and I do speaking events, um, with big groups, small groups, um, whether it be, athletes, rodeo athletes on zoom. Um, it just, you know, I, the world is the oyster as far as like what people want me to talk about. Um, unless, well, I'll probably still talk about the vegan diet if people are wanting me and I'll probably keep talking about animal protein. And that, so. Right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of another part of my side of, um, talking to different, different groups and obviously podcast too, but yeah. You've just finished another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. And if that doesn't make you happier than a rooster on Sunday, then I don't know what will. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Branded Cowgirl podcast and TikTok. Also join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can find it by searching Branded Cowgirl podcast insiders or head to the link in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. It means the absolute world to me to read your kind words, but it also helps other amazing rural women find the show as well. If you would like to sponsor an episode or advertise on the Branded Cowgirl podcast, then please head to sarahelrod.com slash sponsor BCP for more information. Thanks again for being here and I'll talk to you in the next one.